BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Mike, check, check one, check two. Are we here? All right, we're here right now-ish. What's up, y'all? My name is Pindarvis Harshaw, the journalist and host behind Right Nowish. Um, man, I am excited to bring y'all into my world and give y'all a little bit of info about what's happening right now in the Bay Area. Today, we're going to talk to a gentleman by the name of Timothy B. So, my government name is Timothy Bloyd, the junior. Um, Thomas Money is what my friends call me, T-I-M, but I'm locally known as Timothy B, the artist. Timothy B is an interesting character because he's a visual artist, clear across the board, putting paint where it ain't. His work is all around the Bay Area. And he's doing these big mural pieces that depict black culture and arts, and it's flavorful. And then I saw one of his more recent pieces depicting the late Nipsey Hussle. Ah, uh, Nipsey, man. When I think about Nipsey, I think about this one song. It's called Top Down. Class is in session. Rap till I'm restless. Cause constant repetition is the path to progression. Class is in session. Rap till I'm restless. Cause constant repetition is the path to progression. Take that and run with it. You should get some That right there, and it's not like, it's not like, this is motivation. It's like, hey, this is a good song. Oh, and you listen to the lyrics. It's like, oh, he's actually saying the things that I wish my guidance counselor would have said. So yeah, Top Down by far. Who Detached Us is another good one. Anyway, back to Timothy B's unveiling for that piece that shows Nipsey Hussle's face on the broadside of a convenience store. It's uh, right near Lake Merritt in the heart of Oakland. The opening was full of people from all walks of life. You know, you had your, your artists, your kind of rah-rah revolutionaries, your old school dope boys, and it was really Oakland culture front and center. And that's something I don't see often. Usually there's some sort of division. Even if it's a quote-unquote black event, there's still separation of classes. And so... It was really tight to see, and it really made me question, like, Timothy, what, how are you tapping into these different networks? And so I wanted to talk to him. The Oakland Cannery, 5733. Big brick building in East Oakland, adjacent to Bart Tracks. Hi, Bart. Ooh, new Bart. Three-door Bart. So our story starts off at Timothy's studio, not too far from the A Stadium. Damn! Hey, this is crazy. This is like a 1990s neo soul flick kind of, this is crazy. So I walked into a studio and he had art everywhere. I'm talking about big plywood sketchings of all different types of pieces, including one of Nipsey Hussle. He also had uh, trees. He had a ping pong table. Give me Like he had the works, big windows facing the sun. It was made to be a studio, and he calls it Mouse Cat. 
Uh, mouse cat, it's a play on uh, a cat chasing a mouse. So either you're gonna play the mouse or you're gonna play the cat. Mouse cat, you know. <laughs> every relationship is a mouse cat situation. Every, every relationship, man. Yeah, I find myself being the mouse a lot of times. <laughs> Out here, these ladies are aggressive. <laughs> and then on his table, he had this sketch that he was working on for an upcoming piece. We have, uh, we have a queen with monkey skulls and palm trees in and, an and urban setting taking place in the background. But that's just one of the many projects I'm working on. So one of the things that attracted me to your story was that day that you unveiled the Nipsey mural on Grand Avenue, right? I looked around that parking lot and I saw people that I know from the artsy circle and I know people from the hood circle. So seeing you bring them together was impressive to me. And then two, I just looked at the work that you do and I'm like, damn dude, you're an artist creator, like putting a benevolent energy out onto the streets of Oakland. Like, how does that make you feel? Like to see yourself in that growth. At this point, to see how I'm able to connect so many people how I'm able to bring the community together through my expression of art is amazing. It's new, it's new for me. All of it is new for me, man. I'm surprised that I'm able to do these things. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, what's up? I'm Pendarvis Harshaw, the host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Yeah, so Timothy's story is obviously deeper than just some paint on the wall. I'm talking about his story is the walking embodiment of how Oakland has changed over the past two to three decades. See, so Timothy was born in 1992 in East Oakland. Um, just a little older than he is, but we pretty much grew up around the same stuff. Now, let me fill you in what was happening back then. See, the year Timothy was born, more than 165 people were killed in the city of Oakland. It was the highest number of homicides the city had ever seen. Then, if you look at last year, 68 people were killed, which is still a lot of people. But it's the lowest that it's been in 20 years. Now, don't get it wrong, the numbers only tell one side of the story. It wasn't all blood and gory and ugly stuff, like obviously there was some hope in the community. But somewhere along the path, something had to happen for Timothy and myself to end up where we are now. Like, things could have went awry, we could have definitely went left. With that said, I wanted to know what was it in Timothy's life that steered him on the path in which he's on now? You were born in 92? Yeah. 92 is the high watermark of homicides in Oakland, California. Is that something you think about? I never really was involved with the streets, never even wanted to be a part of it, simply because of my OGs. I learned from their mistakes. Of course, I wanted to ball like them, but I figured, you know, I get more involved with the business side than the street business. So even as a kid, like my mom, she sheltered me away from that, you know, and um, like my focus as a, as a kid was playing basketball and creating art. You mentioned your mom. What's her name? Dana Gnarly. Uh, well, Dana blew it now. So my pops, he got out of prison and married my mom the first year he was out. Yeah, yeah. Never imagined seeing my parents together like that, honestly. 23 years later, huh? 23 years later. 
So Timothy's story is important because it parallels not only my story, but so many other kids whose families were shaped by the war on drugs. But Timothy B. isn't the average kid who grew up in Oakland in the 90s. He was one of the sons of Timothy Blewett Sr., who's part of the legendary 6ix9ine mob. You might be familiar with them, or at least some of the big names, like Felix Mitchell or Daryl Reed, Lil D. Have you ever seen New Jack City? Yeah, parts of that film were based on the operation of the 6ix9ine mob. Times like these, people want to get high. Real high and real fast. And this is going to do it. And make us rich. So you get it. Timothy B is this visual artist doing benevolent work on the streets of Oakland. Definitely a shift from what his father did on the streets back in the day. But how did he do it? What guidance did his mom give? What does his dad think about Timothy's development? What about Oakland's development? So I had to sit down with Timothy B and his parents. And when we finally caught up to talk, we sat down in his studio and had a glass of red wine. My favorite. Cling, 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 cling. Hey, I say. Thank you all for joining us. I wasn't around, well, I was around, but I didn't know. I wasn't conscious in 1992. Like, I moved here as a three-year-old in 1991. From what I've read of 1992 in Oakland, it was a time where drugs had hit throughout the 80s, where industry had closed down, where the town was kind of developing that stereotype for being the town that people know of that's been depicted in the Black Panther movie. There's a reason that they chose 1992 Oakland as the place where things went down. Heroin was the drug of choice pretty much in the early 80s and late 70s, and that's the era I come from. You know, it was the local drug dealer that everybody looked up to. Just speaking specifically to his craft, okay. right? yeah. What was art like, or specifically graffiti art? What was it looked at? Graffiti art was not posted and, and pasted on these walls the way it was like it is today. Right. It wasn't. Yeah. And if you saw it, they were painting over it immediately, right. you know? Today, it's an art form. It's a, it's a language. Yeah. And he's a part of that particular world with many other artists that he respect. And sometimes I come across some, and I might shoot it to him and say, man, you know this dude? Yeah, I know him. <laughs> you know, And I mean, I might be late to the party, but at the same time, it's, you know, everybody at the party. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it's an it's a art language out here in Oakland now. And everywhere you go, you can see it. And to see him with the passion and to see him with the name, just as mm -hmm. fame as mm -hmm. me yep. at once upon a time, yeah. right? It, it says something to me. That's got to be a trip. Yes. That's it says something. So when people see Timothy Blewett in the newspapers today or the news today, it's not negative. Man, say it again. Right? Like. So <laughs> that's what moved me. Uh, Dan, I want to ask you how... How you feel about this guy's like growth as an artist? Like you've seen him go from the knucklehead basketball player like to now he's on the streets painting constantly and getting paid for it. How do you feel about the growth? Well, even before basketball, I saw the art. Yeah. The art came before anything. Okay. Um, I first noticed it when he was in preschool. He was going to school not too far from where we are now. And he brought some of his artwork home. And at the time, Pokemon was really hot, uh -oh. you know? And so I'm thinking, okay, you just like any other preschooler, you're going to have to really look closely, maybe turn it upside down and say, yeah, I could see the vision, you know? But when he brought his artwork home, it was like, now that's Pokemon. <laughs> you know, that looks exactly like that Pokemon that I buy cards. And I was like, we have something here. I would make him make 
birthday cards, Christmas cards. I'm like, no, you gonna make your grandma a card today on her birthday, you know? And it was like, okay, let me scribble something. It's like, oh, that's beautiful. Okay, now sign your name, you know? Yeah. One of the things uh, Tim Jr. mentioned when we talked earlier was um, about how you kept him in contact with Tim Sr. He felt his father worked for the airlines because we always had to fly to see him. Right. You know, when you do federal time, at least during that time, they send you far off. Mm -hmm. So he was in Texas. He was in Colorado. He was in Arizona. So whenever he saw his father, it had something to do with being on the plane. So that's why I said, well, look, we'll just ride with that. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> what you just said. That's what you did. <laughs> that's crazy to do it for nearly a quarter of a century. Yeah. yeah and to have that commitment to it. I said, you would never use the excuse, I am who I am because of my father. So our phone bills were ridiculous. And when I say ridiculous, <laughs> at the time they were very, very expensive, but I, I did what I had to do to make sure that he constantly spoke to his dad. Um, when Tim would get in trouble, I would tell his dad, so I say, your dad may not physically be here, but he is very much alive and he is very much your father. So don't think that you don't have a family because we are a family. And at the end of all of it, you two became married, correct? Yep. I didn't want him to see anything other than what he sees right now, his parents. Yeah. You know, because I think this is his trophy to know that statistically, it did not crush and wipe out like a lot of families we know. A lot of families like yours even maybe mm -hmm. was wiped out. Yeah. I was arrested on her birthday. Oh wow. And we had plans on her birthday. We claimed that day. We took that day back. We married on that day. So that day is no more gloom. It's joy. You know, so that's what we did. How does it make you feel to see that? How do, how, how do I feel about it? Yeah, knowing the, the full story arc. I mean, you're, you're a conscious dude, you know, like the statistics, you know what's going on in the black community with broken homes, yeah. uh, over-policing, you name it. And knowing that, like, we both come from that mm -hmm. and you see an example of two people who traversed it, like, how, how do you? I feel like we won. That's how Ooh. I feel. Simple as that. I feel like we won. We winning. Solid. You know? I mean, I never, honestly, I never thought I would ever see my parents together. I never thought I'd see my dad free. At this point, I feel damn near completed. You know? You know, it outshines the negativity of Oakland once was. Put my hands up because that's the reason we're here talking. Exactly. You know? <laughs> Damn it. That, that's it. It's a wrap. We can leave. We can go home. <laughs> but that's it. Yeah. I, I'm glad I'm not the only one who sees that. Yes. So thank you. That's what I see. Yeah. I, I just keep thinking of like how light this conversation is in spite of everything, in spite of oppressive systems and potentially broken families and what I, I basically look at as slavery for our, our generation, the way the drug trade impacted black people in the inner city and to come out on this end heading into 2020 and say we're we've overcome that and be joyous about the now like that's that's beautiful man and like i appreciate you for inviting me into your world um you use the word broken i never felt like we were broken 
You know, I never, I just felt like our reality was different than most, you know, but I never felt that we were a broken family. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just different. Mm -hmm. Being in a a family where the father is taken away, it's really lonely. And people think, why are you wasting your time, you know? And so you forever defending your position, you Mm -hmm. know, to the point where you don't want to be bothered because they don't understand it. And so you tend to shy away from people. I mean, I have my son that I poured everything I possibly had into because that was my number one investment. Yeah. No, no, yeah, thank you for clarifying. I, I, I definitely, I said potentially broken out of like, that's the way it's commonly referred. Yeah, yeah. But it's not even, it's far from that. It's, if anything, it's uniquely strong. You're right. Like extra strong. You know, nothing is going to break this family. Huh, right? I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing is going to break this family. Yeah. Thank you, Dana Bluett. Thank you, Timothy Bluett Sr. Thank you, Timothy B., for inviting me in and sharing your story with me and also sharing your art with the world. You can find more of Timothy B.'s art at timothyb underscore art on Instagram. That's timothyb underscore art. And that Nipsey piece, man, you can find that over on uh, Grand Avenue in Oakland on the side of the Grand Express convenience store. I wanted to take a second to give a shout out to all the moms. Not only Dana B., but also Dolores. Dolores B. (laughs) Dolores B. Harshaw, my mom. She uh, definitely held it together for me to get here as well. I really appreciate that. Yeah, so that's it. That's the first episode of Right Nowish. Welcome. That's what we're going to talk about. Art, culture, life, love, family, everything happening right now. Big shout out to my producer, uh, Ashley Ann Crickbaum, uh, making this thing happen, making it sing. Our editor is Jessica Plachik. Big thank you to the higher ups at KQED who've had our back since the start. Julie Kane, David Marcus, Holly Kernan. Music for this episode was made possible by local producers, Kevin Allen, Mars, and Jason Valario. And thank you. Thank you for being a part of this first episode. We got a lot of things to cover here in the Bay, but this is how we're going to rock right here at Right Nowish. So uh, tell a friend, subscribe, share, let them know what we got going on here at Right Nowish. You can find more at kqed.org slash right nowish. I'm your host, Pendarvis Harshaw. Thank you for your time. Peace. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. 
And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.